Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. At the end of this chapter, we see that Aaron does get to grieve his sons because God is not cruel and, un- I mean, he's just not, he's not a big bully or anything like that. But as Aaron and his sons are representing God to the people, Moses tells Aaron, listen, what God did was just. What he did was right. What he did was fair. What your sons did was unacceptable. And there was a price to be paid, and they paid that price. Can you remember having a favorite teacher or a boss at work? What made them your favorite? There were probably many reasons. Their kindness, understanding, their overall concern for you, it probably stood out. What also might stand out in your mind was their fairness and how they addressed issues justly. Pastor James shares that this is exactly why God is so perfect, because he's perfectly kind. He's perfectly understanding and just. So no matter what you're going through, he's there to meet your needs. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter 10 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Chapter 10, verse 1, Aaron's son, Nadab, and Abihu, or Abihu, I think it's Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, or your Bible may say a strange fire different than he had commanded. Again, and you'll, you'll take note of that, okay? Within those few verses, actually within just that one singular verse there, it's already letting us know that they, had, they were disobeying God. They disobeyed God. And they were not doing what they were commanded to do. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died before the Lord. I mean, this is like possibly... The same day. I mean, things can't get any better. <laughs> We've, we are now free from Egypt. We're not where, we're, where we should be. Technically, they should already be in the promised land. They didn't have to go this long way around, right? I mean, but this is the Lord, and he's working through these people, and he knows that they're rebellious and all that good stuff. But here they are, and, and the sacrifices have happened, and the tabernacle is built, and the presence of God is there, And Nadab and Abihu totally disobey God. And he takes them out. He takes them out. And there's no no other way around this where it's like, well, maybe, no, no, no. They disobeyed and he set an example. He kind of does this sometimes with the new beginning type stuff. You got uh, Nadab and Abihu here of like, God's letting the people know and, and really Levi and all his other sons and descendants and all that stuff to know, like, I take this very seriously. So you should as well. In the book of Acts, when the church is just getting started, uh, you had a, a married couple that were like, we want to give to the Lord too. Sweet. Give to the Lord. Well, they lied about it. They didn't give 
all that they said, and then they were confronted with it, and then they, they lied about that, and, and, and they died. And that was at the very beginning stages of the church being born. And it's almost like that good reminder that God is saying, look, I take these things very seriously. Now, with this story, it, it's kind of interesting because we're going to get some details, kind of, of the story, and some of it's speculative, but I don't know, because um, here they are, they're, 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 you know, offering these, you know, coals of fire with the incense burners. That's not their job. If you go back into the book of Exodus, that wasn't their job. And what they were doing, they were using the wrong tools and, and they, it wasn't even their place. That's Aaron's place. So what were they thinking? The problem is, is I don't think that they were thinking did they get caught up in all the emotion of all that stuff that it just happened? Was there other, you know, substances involved that kind of altered their minds? Possibly. They were disobedient to God and they misrepresented God to the people and God took them out. That's the bottom line. And can you imagine Aaron, like the highest of highs to the lowest of lows? in a matter of an instant. Like, I'm high priest, set apart, millions of people, and God has selected me and my family to be part of the priesthood, and I'm the high priest, and I just did the sacrifice, and I just offered it, and I just went in the tabernacle with, with my brother, Moses. God used us to rescue the people when we come out of the tabernacle, and God's presence showed up. And then his sons did something unimaginable, and God took out his two sons. And then he's got a, he's got a command for Aaron that's really kind of hard for us to process. Verse 3, Moses says to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Then Moses called for uh, Elzaphan, Aaron's cousins, the sons of Aaron's uncle, Uziel. And he said to them, come forward and carry away the bodies of your relatives from in front of the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. So they came forward and picked them up by their garments and carried them out of the camp, just as Moses had commanded. Then Moses says to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not show grief by leaving your hair uncombed or by tearing your clothes. If you do, you will die, and the Lord's anger will strike the whole community of Israel. However, the rest of the Israelites, your relatives, may mourn because of the Lord's fiery destruction of Nadab and Abihu. So they did as Moses commanded. This is is hard, right? Like, you see this and you're just like, you can't even mourn? Technically, he's not saying he can't mourn. He can't re- react to what has happened to his sons in a way that would be normal for us to react. Tear your clothes, your hair, just show these physical outward signs of like, at, at what? That you think God is unfair? And that's kind of what Moses is saying to Aaron here. He's like, your sons did wrong. Your sons disobeyed God. 
And he's not saying you, because at the end of this chapter, we see that Aaron does get to grieve his sons because God is not cruel and, un, I mean, he's just not, he's not a big bully or anything like that. But as Aaron and his sons are representing God to the people, Moses tells Aaron, listen, what God did was just. What he did was right. What he did was fair. What your sons did was unacceptable. And there was a price to be paid. And they paid that price. So don't like, you know, don't lose control, Aaron, so to speak. You, you, you're still covered by the anointing of the Lord. You need to stay put. You need to stay here and still serve. It's crazy. Crazy story. Like, I can't even imagine what that would be like for Aaron. I can't even imagine what that would be like. I mean, what's, what's fascinating is that if you continue to read through the Old Testament, you see other stories where it's like you got a father, and maybe it's a, not the best example of a father, and then his sons go off, and they're crazy, and they don't, you know, they end up losing their lives. And you see that time and time again throughout the scriptures. And here's Aaron who's like, I'm just serving the Lord. And he got the instructions, the same instructions that his sons got, but what in the world was going on in their heads? Why would they do something just so crazy, blatantly disobeying God? I mean, blatantly. Like, this isn't like an accident. This is a blatant we know this isn't what we've been asked to do, and that this isn't the right sensor. Not that they had sensors they were supposed to use, but no, they were going to try to use dad's sensor, and they were going to try to do dad's job and all this. They knew they were stepping out of line. They knew that. But what would, made you, what would make you think that that's okay? Verse 8, then the Lord said to Aaron, that, like, don't move past that too quickly. Because up until now, it's the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord has said to Moses, Aaron just lost his two boys. And the Lord spoke to Aaron. Like, don't move past that too quickly. When we want to look at these stories and we want to think like, man, God is so cruel. God is so mean. If he was, he wouldn't have spoke to Aaron at all. He could have been like, you knew better. They knew better. I'm moving on. Because God is gracious, because God is compassionate, because he is actually loving, the Lord speaks to Aaron. You and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic drink before going into the tabernacle. Where did that come from? Why say that at this time? It wasn't like some PS after, you know, he's like, oh yeah, oh, I forgot to tell you guys, don't get wasted before you serve me. The reason why it's probably here, this is the speculation part of it, is that his sons were probably intoxicated and went to go serve God. They were not, they, they were not in control of their, you know, their, their functions, right? They, they had other outside uh, substances that were controlling their minds, right? It's alcohol. And for some, how, whatever, however this worked out, but Nadab and Abihu probably were under the influence of alcohol, and they thought, hey, we got a great idea. Hey, nothing good ever comes from being drunk, by the way, if you need to know that. And nothing good comes from that. I mean, that's why even the scriptures would go on to say, Ephesians chapter 5, don't be drunk with wine. What? Be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're going to let something take control over you, let it be the Spirit of God. 
Don't let some sort of substance take control of you because in my experience, that has never led to good. Never. And here you have priests who are probably under the influence of alcohol and it costs them their lives. And not just, it didn't just cost them. It, it, this affected the whole community, the whole community. You have freedoms in your relationship with the Lord. We don't make rules where there are no rules. That's one of our rules, okay, is we don't make rules where there are no rules. I'm not going to tell you you can't drink alcohol because that's not a rule. Now, I will tell you, if you get drunk, that is sin. That is sin. That is breaking God's law, and that is something deserving of repentance. To have a drink of alcohol and whatever and all that, I'm not going to make rules where there are no rules. However, however, man, I would be so cautious. And I don't want to give even an, an, an inch of my mind, so to speak, to something that can just ravage it. I've had too, many, too much experience with that. I praise God that he, he saved me from that. I started dabbling with alcohol in junior high, junior high and high school. Um, but it didn't last long for me. It didn't last long for me. I, I just knew, like, I, if I continue down this path, I know where it will lead me. And so as a person who wasn't even following the Lord at all, I was like, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want anything to do with this. Because I've seen the price. I've seen the price. And that's not a price I'd ever want to have to pay. Wisdom would say, men use caution. Um, I know there's a lot of people who are proponents for Christians drinking alcohol and all that good stuff. Listen, our alcohol is totally different from the alcohol back in the Bible, okay? Um, it's totally, it's much stronger now than it was in the Bible times, okay? Now, I can't say that dogmatically for every instance of alcohol mentioned in the entire Bible, but I do know in the New Testament, when Paul is prescribing to Timothy to have a little wine for your stomach, what you're talking about is watered down wine. It's almost like kombucha, okay? I mean, it is like very small, it's, kombucha is not bad, um, small percentage of alcohol that's in there. You'd have to drink so much of that to be intoxicated. Our alcohol today is very potent, very powerful. So for all the Christians who are like, I have the right. Yeah, you do. And I'm not going to argue with you. But I'd say be very cautious. Be very cautious. Nadab and Abihu were not cautious at all. And they could say, well, there was no rules against it. And I would say, yeah, but you probably knew better. You probably knew better. You're telling me on this first day, the inaugural church service, you think it's a good idea to get plastered? I don't think you're worthy of being a priest. I don't think you're worthy of representing the Lord before people. Unfortunately, and you may have had experiences like this, you go out in public, and it's always a weird thing to come across somebody else who's in ministry, and they're totally drunk. But it happens. But it happens. I'll tell you this, ones who think that that's okay, they don't last in ministry. They don't. They don't. There's a good chance that that's what's going on here. Because why would God tell Aaron this? He's like, hey, look, you and your sons, 
your descendants, just stay away from it. Just stay away from it. There's a high price to be paid. And Aaron, you don't want to pay that price. You don't want to pay that price. So here's God letting him know. He says, if you do, you will die. This is a permanent law for you. And it must be observed from generation to generation. You must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common, between what is ceremonially unclean and what is clean. And you must teach the Israelites all the decrees that the Lord has given them through Moses. Aaron, you have to be in the right presence of mind. You have to be present. Like you can't be consumed by something else. Like don't give way to any of that stuff. In one sense, it's like, you know, Today's language is like, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Take it seriously. This is, what, this is what I've set you apart for. Then Moses says to Aaron, continues on, and Aaron has to process all this stuff, right? Here it says, Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, take what is left of the grain offering after a portion uh, has been presented as a special gift to the Lord and eat, eat it beside the altar. Make sure it, uh, it contains no yeast for it is most holy. You must eat it in a sacred place for it has been given to you and your descendants as your portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. These are the commands I have given. I have given. But the breast and the thigh that were lifted up, wave offering, as a special offering may be eaten in any place that is ceremonially clean. These parts have been given to you and your descendants as your portion of the peace offerings presented by the Lord, presented uh, to the Lord, sorry, must be lifted up. Sorry, I don't want to skip a verse. We're going to make sure I do this right. Lifted up uh, the thigh and the breast as a special offering to the Lord, along with the fat of the special gifts. These parts will belong to you and your descendants as your permanent right, just as the Lord had commanded. Then Moses, or Moses then asked them, what happened to the goat of the sin offering? And this is weird. We're like, what? Like, <laughs> what has happened? Moses is looking around. And he's like, hold on. There's a sacrifice that's missing. It's been sacrificed. It's been offered. But where's the meat? Where's the beef, right? Like, there's that old commercial. And Moses is like, where's the beef, right? And this is where we know Aaron did mourn and was allowed to mourn. When he discovered it had been burned up, he became very angry with Eleazar and Ithamar. He's like, not another mistake, guys. We, can't, we just lost two. He just lost his two nephews. Moses did. He's like, we can't have another mistake. Why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sacred area? He demanded. It is a holy offering. The Lord has given it to you to remove the guilt of the community and to purify the people, making them right with the Lord. This is serious. Since the animal's blood was not brought into the holy place, you should have eaten the meat in the sacred area, sacred area as I had ordered you. Then Aaron answered Moses. Today, my sons presented both their sin offering and their burnt offering to the Lord. And yet this tragedy has happened to me. He's like, my boys did what was right. But this tragedy happened to me, Moses. If I had eaten the people's sin offering on such a tragic day as this, would the Lord have been pleased? He's like, Moses, I can't eat that in good conscience. I just couldn't do it in good conscience. And the Lord prefers obedience over sacrifice. And so he chose to fast. His way of mourning was through fasting. Because he was going to grieve the loss of his two sons. And God was going to allow that. 
And the way that he was allowed to grieve the loss of his two sons was through fasting. He's like, I couldn't eat it, Moses. How could I eat that? How could I do that? Then Moses heard this, and he was satisfied. He got it, right? And I get it. I get Moses' stress, right? You know, you're working this hard to get all this stuff established. He's like, we've gone through all this stuff. And then you guys, it's just this one offering, and you guys didn't do it right. And he's, he's going after Aaron's sons, his own nephews, and, and Aaron steps in. And he's like, hold on, Moses. Hold on. Let me explain what happened. I can do it. I just couldn't do it. And Moses got it. And Moses got it. And I think that's just a, just a beautiful little way to, to kind of wrap up that little story there. I mean, it starts off with like chapter one or chapter 10, verse one. It's like death. And then you got to still function through this, through this service and all that good stuff. And here's Aaron who's like, he still has to do what he's been called to do. And it's like, man, how do I grieve? How do I grieve in the midst of this and like representing? And how am I supposed to? And his opportunity came through the option to just fast through a meal. He's like, I'm just going to just burn it. Just burn it. Burn the whole thing. Obviously, the Lord was okay with that. The Lord was okay with that. Moses came around to it. But I understand Moses, I understand his, you know, frustration or his fear and all that good stuff because he's like, we can't make any more mistakes. But then I think when he talks to his brother, and what I would imagine is a very intimate eye-to-eye conversation, he gets it. He's like, you're right. You're right. And God was cool with it because Aaron was still alive. His other sons were still alive, and he's still talking to the people. But man, like, this is like, what a crazy, like, ordination and, and sacrificial system. All this stuff has been happening, has taken place, and then you got the priest, and, and these things have to, have to happen in order for the people just to have some sort of covering for their sins. And this is something that would ha- continually have to happen all the time. All the time. Until one day, Jesus shows up and he, uh, well, he, he eats that sin offering for us. He shows up and he eats that sin offering. He takes it all on himself so that, number, well, number one, so that we don't have to do this stuff anymore, but that we would be covered. Past, present, future, covered by his blood. Free access to the Holy of Holies. Beautiful, amazing, amazing thing that he would do for us. And again, let's not, as the tendency is, let's not shift into like, you know, just some sort of casualness of like, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, it's, it'll be forgiven. It'll be forgiven. It's like, no, this, yeah, your sins will be forgiven. But my goodness, let that be a motivation for you to like, I want to just press in more. Man, I want to grow in my relationship with the Lord Jesus. I know the closer I get to him, the more wretched I actually realize that I am, but I don't want that to dissuade me from pressing in even more because the closer you get to him, the more beautiful he is. The more beautiful he is, the more beautiful that sacrifice is. Hope to the hopeless hope.
Pastor James Grizzle has been making his way through the book of Leviticus here on Bread for the Broken. Leviticus can be a tough book to get through, with all of its rules and regulations, and sometimes it can be hard to see why we should learn any of that at all today. But every book in the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus. Several of the chapters in Leviticus deal with people who have sinned unintentionally, and then later come to realize their sin. God lays out for them the steps to take in order to receive forgiveness. Now, the people of Israel brought sacrifices to the priests to pay for those sins. But we have a great high priest in Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice. Leviticus 6-7 says, And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven. How amazing is it that we have this great high priest who has atoned for all of our sins? The mission of Bread for the Broken is to help people find hope and new life in Jesus. If you'd like to join us in that mission, we have an opportunity for you to donate and to help us spread the word. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to join us in the mission today. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, you can explore all of the other messages and share them with your friends. And if you're in the Galveston, Texas area, we'd love to see you in a service at Calvary Galveston. We're here Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. But if you can't make it, we stream all of our services on Facebook. Well, we're out of time for today. We'll see you again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.